This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. Welcome, welcome. Another week of the opening kickoff is upon us. And uh, as always, we appreciate you making us part of your morning. Mark, I'm Lee Shervaney, Triple G at the house. It's the uh, opening kickoff for the next three hours right here on the sports station. Hope you and yours had a happy and safe weekend. And uh, things have gotten more interesting in the NBA. How about that? That Yeah, that uh, happened last night with Miami at least tying that series with uh, the first Denver home loss in the playoffs. And I think they hadn't lost since uh, like the final weekend in March. But Miami rallied in the fourth quarter, took it to Denver, and uh, tied the series with Game 3 moving to Miami. That Miami team, you just can never call them quits. They, they're always hanging in there. Do you think we should try to get Chris Stewart, the voice of the Alabama uh, baseball, on with us this morning? Uh, their game did not end until 12.50 last night. Yeah. I don't, the, the thing is, I'm curious why they started so late. They started at 8 o'clock, and I, and I know it's because of, you know, they have another game before that. I'm just curious why they didn't start earlier in the day. A lot of games were starting late last night. So Alabama beats Boston College 8 nothing. The game on Saturday, I'm really anxious to talk to Mike Rodak. That game was unbelievable. Alabama was down to its last out, and a throwing error opened the floodgates for a four-run rally. So Alabama sweeps through three teams and moves to the Super Regionals for the first time since 2010. This has been just an incredible year, both ups and downs for Alabama sports, Mark. I mean, we've talked so much about it, you know, some of the off-the-court, off-the-field stuff that's been going on, the firing of the baseball coach, and since then they've won 13 out of 17. So they will move on to the Super Regionals against, well, number one seed, Wake Forest. So right now, in tallying with SEC schools, we had 10 SEC schools going to the regionals. Two of them advanced, Alabama-Tennessee. Two are eliminated. Uh, Auburn went out quietly. Vanderbilt went out, which surprised me. And the others are still vying for championship games today. Uh, that would leave six SEC schools that still have a ch- – oh, I'm sorry. I forgot South Carolina. So that leaves five. So three are in, two eliminated, and five in championship games today. So that's the way the SEC shapes up in um, in baseball. I think it's, uh, before we move on to basketball, I think it's only fair to update that time story. Uh, some new yeah. light was shed. Apparently, and, and I think uh, because we talk so much about it, so the story that ran uh, identifying a walk-on Alabama player, Spears, as a passenger in Brandon Miller's car was refuted by uh, Spears and his family and subsequently resulted in a lawsuit. Now it has come out this weekend that the individual in the passenger seat was actually a manager on the basketball team, Cooper Lee. Yeah, and so the Cooper Lee actually emailed the Wall Street Journal, if I'm not mistaken, right, and told them that he was indeed the guy in the car. So I've obviously, like you guys, I have questions, which is if he was willing to email the Times, why do he wait so long to email the Times? And if the Wall Street Journal was so – was it the Wall Street Journal? Times. Times, New York Times. If the New York Times 
was so adamant that they knew who it was and it was their guy. Why does it only take an email from a student manager who could have very easily just been throwing himself on the sword? (laughs) Why does it only take that for them to recant the story? You know, Mark, that's a very good question. Why did this not take place immediately? Why did the manager, when the story first broke, then get in touch or let's say through a a PR person at Alabama or anybody at Alabama uh, get a hold of the times and say, no, you got the guy wrong. You got the wrong guy. If in fact, if in fact, Cooper Lee was the passenger. I tell you, every time this story comes out, there's something, like you said, it raises more questions than answers. Now, the Times says they're going to run a retraction. Whether they do or not, I don't know. But there's, it makes no sense that this individual, Cooper Lee, if, in fact, he was the passenger in Brandon Miller's vehicle, the one that eventually had the weapon that led to the tragic shooting— why wait so long? Why why wait until after a lawsuit? Yeah. And then the I guess the other question I have is how could and and this is the the part we'll never know the answer to. I mean, we may not know the answer to any of the questions we just posed, but how do you how do you have sources close to that situation get that part wrong? If if the person in the passenger seat didn't do anything wrong, how do we get that part wrong? How do we get that individual's name wrong? How do we identify that guy as the wrong guy? And I say we, I mean them. But the times, yeah. It just, it just seems so random. Like of all the details that could have been wrong or you could have been misled on that you're potentially wrong or got misled on something that is so um insignificant in the grand scheme of the story. And to add to that, why did the Alabama PR department, whoever, whether it's the sports, whether it's uh, the the, the main PR department, why did they not react to this? Why did they not send out information and say, look, you got the wrong person, if in fact they did have the wrong person? Yeah, I don't know what the legal ramifications are as far as privacy for both the manager and the walk-on are. Um, can you violate one guy's right to privacy in order to correct or somehow rectify another man's privacy, if that makes sense? I, I don't I don't know. I, I but again I've got questions. Oh, like, my, my, first, questions. my first question is now I guess what happened was the student manager probably walked into somebody's office when that story came out and said it's not him, it's me. And then someone must have told him, don't say anything. No one say anything to anybody about anything. And so it just kind of festered for a while. Now, I don't know why that's changed. What changed now that would enable or somebody would tell this kid, all right, go ahead. Like, I, I just, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very bizarre story. And uh, it's got 30 for 30 written all over it. You know, Mark, uh, and not to belabor mistakes, because, you know, I make a lot of them, and I admit it, but I was reading the story this morning on ESPN, wrote about K.J. Lacey, the quarterback at Sarah Land, who, over the weekend, and we have him scheduled, I hope he'll be on with us today, as you know, he was on the uh, afternoon show last week, actually came into studio, but uh, K.J., uh, went to uh, Austin, Texas on a recruiting trip this weekend and verbally committed 
to Texas. Now, of course, he still has two more, two more years to go quarterbacking Sarah Lynn. But getting back to the ESPN story, they had him uh, from Tuscaloosa. And last I know, he's still living in this area. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, what, I've, what I want to ask, KJ, if we get him on, did Ryan Williams, the star receiver, Mr. Football in the state of Alabama, did he try to influence him to go to Alabama instead of Texas? And by the time KJ comes into, uh, I should say by the time he goes to Texas, if he holds firm with that commitment, they will be a member of the SEC. Uh, yeah, so very exciting times here locally as uh, talent continues to uh, to flourish. So here's what we got going on. Uh, speaking of local talent, Grant Infinger is going to join us at 6.30. What a uh, weekend Yeah, he big had. weekend. He had the a victory on Saturday. He got a bonus of $50,000, which will buy a lot of diapers because they announced he and his wife are expecting again. How about that? So uh, we'll have some Chick-fil-A in hour number one for you. Uh, Dale Osborne going to join us to talk some NBA and the NBA Finals we mentioned all tied up at 1. That'll be at 7 o'clock. John Ricciotti, Dora Millite, Golf Report, hour number 2. It will talk some Auburn with Brian Matthews. You mentioned K.J. Lacey at 8, and Mike Rodak will join us at 8.30. He covers Alabama for uh, 24-7 sports. So, shall we get started with a scoreboard traffic and weather? Why not? All right, and then we'll come back. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. Hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. We're just getting started. A lot going on. It's a Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. Six nineteen. Thanks for hanging with us on this opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, Triple G from the studios of WNSP. Uh, just quickly, Mark, on that uh, White Sox win, I did want to mention a feel-good story. Yesterday was National Cancer Awareness Day, and the winning pitcher in that game was Liam Hendricks, who just returned to the team after recovering from cancer. In golf, it was Victor Hovland, the uh, playoff winner, and NASCAR Kyle Busch. So that brings us up to date. And Alabama picked up a couple of verbals over the weekend, too. We mentioned about K.J. Lacey going to Texas. Alabama gets an offensive lineman, Joseph Ayanata, from Clearwater, Florida, for next year. And in 2025, a running back, Anthony Rogers, who formerly ran the football for Pike Road. I think he's going to IMG Academy. Uh, all right. Uh, did the uh, Miami Heat come up with a game plan for the crypt, uh, little kryptonite for uh, – for Nikola Jokic. Well, they came up the with a game plan to hit threes, and they were so successful, Mark. They were just ripping them because Denver, for whatever reasons, was leaving guys open. I think didn't they hit like 17 out of 35, almost 50%. And you had guys like Duncan Robinson, who had all 10 of his points in the fourth quarter to spearhead that comeback. They were down by as many as 15. As I pointed out in the scoreboard, 
Denver, only once this year at home, had lost a game in which it led by as many as eight going into the final quarter. But very balanced scoring. Nobody had more than 23, whereas Jokic and uh, had the 41 and Jamar Murray had 18. And other than that, nobody else did anything. But, and yes, don't get me wrong, it helps to hit threes. But Jokic, he did all scoring. He didn't distribute. Or he didn't have a chance to. What do you have? Four or five assists the whole game? Four. Yeah. Maybe. How crazy is it that you, it's, it's almost like, well, I don't want to make the com- comparison, but you let the superstar score all the points and don't let everybody else beat you. What's interesting, too, is I thought both teams at the very end of that game did the right thing but came out with the wrong result, right? Butler missed the shot at the end. I thought Denver did the right thing by not calling timeout and put pressure on Miami's defense. You had the ball in the hands of the guy that you needed to hit the shot. He had a decent look, but missed the shot. Mark, in the in the game in the game yesterday, there were many times I saw Jimmy Butler beat his man to the baseline and go underneath, but instead of trying a layup, reverse layup, or at least getting fouled, he was always passing off for the three. Has it has the three, and I'm answering my own question, become so prevalent that you're willing to give up possible two and a foul, and you keep passing off. Butler, I think, had 21 points, but in the game, the parts that I was watching, there was at least two or three times where he drove that baseline, beat his guy. Granted, there's still defense there, but you could at the very least maybe get fouled, which is one of the reasons Miami doesn't go to the free throw line much because they're launching threes all over the place. Another key element in that game was the way that Denver tried to a defense Miami, and it didn't work. They left too many guys open. Uh, to answer your first question, yes. Yes, you, you, you kick for the three, uh, and uh, you play by th- you live and die by threes. That's, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty apparent these days. I, uh, I thought Bam was really good for Miami. I still think he's a at least once or twice a game, dude's just throwing it out of bounds. How do you say his last name? Out of bio. Yeah, they they were talking about that on the air that the uh, play-by-play announcer was calling out of Bayou, like Bayou down there in Louisiana, and it, I go out of Bayou. Yeah, that's what. What say others. you, double dribble boy? Yeah, it's out of Bayou. Boom. He would know. Thank you for that. He's he's in. a Kentucky product, right? He came out of Kentucky. Yes. And so did Jamal Murray. Okay. The point is that. And now, uh, Tyler Hero, he didn't return yesterday, did he? Or did he? I didn't see him at all. No. Because he he was was supposed to come back, and he's another Kentucky player. And you wonder why Kentucky fans feel they should be winning more championships. Because they had all good players that left. Well, all these great players, (laughs) you know, and that the Calipari's not winning with them. So is is that the strategy there, Nick? Let Jokic score. Not that they were letting him, but you know what I mean. Force him to score. No, the strategy is for Miami, let's just get really lucky and hit every three we take. And that's not going to happen again. And look, I've said this when Denver was playing Phoenix and L.A. A team has to play their most perfect game to beat Denver by one possession. It takes a team's everyone playing as perfect as they can, shooting the best they can, to only win by one possession. So that's why if you're a Nuggets fan, if there are any out here, 
I wouldn't be worried. So Denver Nuggets kind of like the Alabama football yeah. of the NBA. That's right. See that? See how we tie it all back together? Yeah. I wonder if there are any Denver Nugget fans out there. If there are, tap us in. I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting for Denver. Um, I'm I'm I think I'm in the minority in my house. I think I got some, a couple of Heat guys in there. Jimmy Bucket got, got guys. Got a couple of uh, what do you call the Butler? Buttheads. <laughs> Got a couple buttheads in the house. Well, that I can certainly <laughs> attest to. But yeah, I kind of find myself rooting for uh, Jokic. He just plays basketball so perfectly. I do. I do like that two-man game they play, though. It's oh, it's yeah. tough. And then when they play, and I I respect. It's kind of old. It's kind of. I hate to say fundamental because it's my get off my lawn moment of the day, but when when they go to that zone and they get Jokic in that high post and they play inside out, it's it's really pretty basketball. And then he he'll hit the guy in the short corner sometimes. It's just he does. He he usually makes all the right decisions. I'm just amazed somebody that size can lead a fast break like he does. I really am impressed with the way he motors up and down the floor, and then sometimes he'll just take it into the lane himself because he's unstoppable. Are, are y'all buying into the hype now that I've been trying to push for a couple months? I will if they win. All right, that's fair. I, if they win the championship, well, well let me just say, in, in fairness, I'm not going against the hype. He's obviously one of the one or two best players in the league, if not the best player. Uh, he certainly has done a lot more than Embiid was able to do with the uh, 76ers. Yeah, uh, I'm impressed. I just hadn't watched enough of him, I guess, because Denver games are usually out so late. And they're not usually on national TV at a time that I'm awake. But I'm just impressed with the way he dribbles the ball. I, I really never thought. And he's a th he's actually a throwback to centers of yesteryear in one regard. But in another regard, he, he moves better than a lot of centers did, moving up and down the floor like he does. I saw that uh, Mark Jackson compared him to Larry Bird combined with Kevin McHale. Um, I don't know if he can shoot from the outside like Bird, can he? Well, and I, I here's another thing though. Forty-seven percent right, from but, three. But let me say this: this is very important. Does he have the killer instinct that Larry Bird had? That that, that to go out there and just rip? Because when you got a lead like that and you let it get away, do they lack the killer instinct? And in particular, Jokic. Well, when they were down, Jokic put his head down, and he scored 18 points in the third quarter and brought him back to tying it up there close to the end. There's no doubt, and Mark, you watched Larry Bird. He had he was like an assassin out there. He just had that will to win and the killer instinct, and I'm not sure yet. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see how far Denver can go. Um, but to compare anybody to Larry Bird, you've got to have what's inside of him. For those that don't have radio vision, he was patting his heart right there. Got to have heart. He wasn't like referring to a spleen or a kidney or. I never saw a Kevin McHale lead a fast break though like that. I'm not sure I've never ever seen Jokic go up and under either like McHale. Just saying. I kind of thought it was rude. It's like okay, yeah, t two of the. Uh, I don't know. It's just always two white guys, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll continue to talk about that though. <laughs> You think you think uh, are there are other guys that would be better comps? Maybe we'll talk about it moving forward. Regardless of race. Right. Grant Infingers next. He had an unbelievable weekend. We'll tell you all about it next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
flag will end the race. Kyle Busch well out front. The fight's for second. Logano looking the inside of Larson. Six thirty-two. Welcome back in the opening kickoff here on a Monday. Thanks for hanging with us, Mark and Lee Triple G, right here on the Sports Station. The uh, race this weekend, the NASCAR races held in Illinois. Kyle Busch won the NASCAR event. We want to talk about what happened on Saturday with Fairhope's Grant Infinger. Grant, good morning. How are you today? Oh, I think we just lost him. He just had raced him. out. He yep. just he just uh, raced right out of us, right? Yeah, it looks. Well, like let's it. get him back. He had quite a weekend for sure. Uh, everything just came together, a perfect storm, winning money, and then an announcement, which I'll let him make uh, when we get him back. But I think it was his second victory of this uh, truck series race. He came up uh, a victor on uh, Saturday. Grant Infinger is back with us. Grant, welcome to the opening kickoff. Good morning. Good morning to y'all. So, yeah, just uh, kicking off a good week uh, from a good weekend. Boy, I'll say, uh, let's start with the race, okay, the winning of the race. How did uh, give us the uh, details, the insight to that? You know, just overall, we, we had a solid champion power equipment Chevy all day. Um, I feel like we had a top three truck. We were uh, able to lead quite a few laps. Um, then when it get, got down to the wire, um, I don't know if we were the best truck or not. We, we were a, we were a good truck, um, but we had a late race restart. I, I lined up second. Um, just uh, the, the chaos that, that happens in the, in the Craftsman Truck Series on the restarts, you just kind of have to watch it to understand that it, uh, we, we all kind of go crazy in those situations because that's, that's the, be the best opportunity to pass. And um, the, the the 98 truck got underneath the 38 truck. I uh, ended up turning both of those guys around, and I was able to, to sail through there clean and green. And um, that set up for a, another restart where we restarted in the lead and, and uh, able to fend everybody off uh, for the, the, the final green-white checkers. So um, definitely a, 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 a lot of uh, a lot of chaos, which which is pretty consistent. I feel like in the truck series these days. Um, but but great to be on the good end of things, and um, I feel like uh, St. Louis is, is one of those places where we've we've always run good here in the past, and and never have uh, put together a, a, a finish like that before. Um, I feel like it's uh, it's deserved, and and yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely take in uh, take take the checkered flag for sure. So that that makes two wins for the season. Uh, so we're 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 getting on a pretty good roll here. Um, we're four races away from from when our playoffs start. So. So hopefully we're uh, we're starting to peak at the right time. Also, uh, reading the uh, story after the race, did you get like a bonus of fifty thousand dollars? Yeah, Craftsman uh, gave us a bonus. There, there's there's three races that, that are involved in that, and, and Gateway was one of them. So so yeah, fifty thousand dollars on on top of our, our normal winnings uh, makes for a, a, a good Saturday in St. Louis. I'd say. And I'd say that would buy a lot of diapers because you had a very special announcement afterwards. Yeah, you know, my wife. I'm not sure if she was impressed with that or not, but we've uh, we are we're expecting a, a, another child, and uh, we we started telling our, our friends and family the the last week and a half or so. So just uh, just felt like it was a good moment to to share that with the rest of the world. So so yeah, very very excited to be welcoming a, another baby. Um, so we 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 have one child. It's uh, Carson, who's who's going to be two here uh, this month. 
and uh, so so definitely uh, special to, to to be having another uh, another child on the way. Congratulations! And uh, so, where do you stand in the point standings now? So right now we're third in the point standings. We got four races left in the regular season before our playoffs start. So um, we're pretty close to, to the leaders now, uh, especially after uh, after St. Louis. That, that was a really good day for us um, for points as, as well. So we're uh, we're in the hunt. Um, all that stuff means something when we get into the playoffs because we we started accumulating. Um, some pretty significant playoff points, which which helps us move on through these rounds. And uh, you know, for us, it's it's all about transferring to the championship four in Phoenix and and having an opportunity to to win a championship. So um, we're in a in a great opportunity. I'm with a great organization with GMS Racing and, and Chevrolet, and um, I I feel like this uh, this year is a, a great opportunity for for all of us. Do you ever give any thought to shifting to NASCAR? I mean, the the truck series is is basically the the third tier of NASCAR. Um, I, I feel like the for the last, I guess this is my seventh, um, more or less my seventh uh, full time season in the truck series. I feel like I've kind of been labeled a truck guy. That's um that that's that's where where my opportunities have have been. Um, you know, recently. And um, I've never been one of those that, that's been able to, to control a lot of my opportunities. But I'm, I'm very happy, very, very blessed to, to be uh, driving for a living and driving full-time in NASCAR, in, in the truck series. So um, God's blessed me a, a lot of ways, and I'm, I'm living out my dream. Uh, if an opportunity came in, in an Xfinity car or a Cup car or something like that, I, I would definitely, you know, uh, approach it if it was the right situation. But um, at this point in my career, it's it's about winning races, uh, winning championships. I have no desire to, to to go in a in a you know upper series and and have a, a top twenty is a good day for us or, or anything like that. I, I'm a competitive guy and, and I want to win races and, and I'm in a great opportunity with GMS Racing and, and in the Truck Series to to do that. You know, I, I, we've had you on several times after wins, but I don't think I've ever asked you. So, being that you're from Fairhope, I'm assuming you went to school there and came through the ranks. When did when did the itch come about being a, a race car driver or getting involved in this? I mean, was this always a goal of yours in in high school or grammar school? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, from Fairhope, I uh, went went to Fairhope. You know, all all through kindergarten through through high school. And um and went to South Alabama and, and and moved to Charlotte as soon as I graduated from South there, um but yeah from from age I guess five or six my dad was was a race fan um he he always went to the races had a friend that that raced out at, out at Mobile International um so we we would go to the races we we go to Talladega every year and he was a race fan and and that's really just where where the desire started burning and um. I wore him out for about four or five, six years, and, and finally, uh, when I was 11, he uh, he came home with a go kart, and uh, we started racing it together. And when when I was about 15 years old, is kind of when I decided, uh, hey, this is this is what I want to do for a living. I, I want to do I want to race for a living. Now, whatever that entails, I, I don't know, but but this is uh, this is my career path. So. Um, uh, sometimes I, I wake up and it seems like a terrible decision, but uh, sometimes uh, it, it seems like a great one as well. And, and um, you know, God's blessed me to, to be able to live out my dreams. So uh, very, very thankful for, for these opportunities that, that I've been getting. And, um, you know, who, who knows what, what the future holds, uh, but, but, man, it's, uh, it's, it's been, a, been a crazy ride for sure. Hey, Grant, congratulations on, on, on 
the the big uh, news over the weekend, and uh, we wish you all the success moving forward. Let's do it again soon. Thanks so much, and yeah, look forward to it. It's Grant Infinger, ladies and gentlemen, right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP dot com. By the way, speaking of Bam, did you guys notice? Uh, I I don't know if y'all were up for the whole thing and the post game. I watched a little bit of post game. See Bam get short with uh one of the media guys after he did the first post game interview for TNT or ABC or whatever I was watching, and then I guess he was they were, the camera was kind of following him and he he had to do another interview or two. But they kind of caught him on a mic telling, I guess it was a media relations guy or something. He's like, he was mad. He was like, what did I tell you? Like, what did I tell you? And then somebody else was like, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. But clearly he was not happy about something. Was he not happy about being interviewed or just because something that was said? Because he should be very happy he was being interviewed because if they lost, they weren't going to interview him. At least on ABC, right? And obviously in the locker room they might, but you get interviewed because you win on TV uh, coming off the floor. Yes. Very very good deduction. So so good that it was worth repeating. (laughs) But, yes, so I I don't know if maybe he was like, man, I don't want to talk to these people or that people or I'm limited to this many interviews. I don't know what it was, but clearly he wasn't happy about something. Did you see it live, Nick? Yeah, I I didn't know what it was – um, what initiated that? But yeah, dude was feeling some type of way. <laughs> um, I'm sure more info will come out on that today or tomorrow. But yeah, I don't know what that was about. So somebody jumped in on the Jokic kind of Larry Bird talk and said Larry Bird used to talk smack. He didn't use the word smack all the time, and that there's no dog in Jokic. Like you don't see a lot uh, of that. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, I agree. Be a big dog and not bark. Tra- uh, Bird was a master at the trash, yes. He was uh, reputedly one of the best as far as throwing uh, trash at somebody, daring. He, you know, but the thing was, he, he, he lived up to what he did. I mean, he, he, he did the talk and, and lived up to it. He was, um, sure, he got, in, he got into players' heads and things like that. He was, he was quite the voice out there. He never talked to me, though. Was there a reason to? Years ago, when before he went to uh, the NBA, he was on Indiana State. Yeah. And they came into Rutgers to um, play in an NIT game. And I went into the, actually beyond the locker room, I went into, he was in the trainer's room to try to get a word with him, but he wouldn't speak to me. Because he, because you were you, or because his time with the, I with think the media was, was over. I, yeah, I think that's what it was. I, I just don't think he wanted to be bothered. Back in those days, he did have a reputation. Should have been like Magic would have talked to me if I yeah. was at Michigan State. You're right. Uh, Larry Bird was in huh? those days in college was very quiet and reticent and really didn't did not like uh, the, the public uh, as far as that goes. You know, do you know he started Indiana? I did not. Did you know that he was actually on Bobby Knight's team, but left? Uh, because I did not know the first the answer to the first one. I did not know the answer well, to the there. second one. Let's see. See, so you learn something. How about that? I learn something new every day. So, what would be a what would be more uh, what would be a better comp of what Nikolai Jokic what, is? What's a Nikola Jokic comp that isn't a white guy? So we need a a, a okay. Uh, so a big guy. Well, I don't. There, I don't know if there is a comp for. A big guy that has handles like him that can shoot. 
There so, would have never been anyone like him before. That's why you have to compare two players. But I just thought it was funny that Mark Jackson said two white players. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is a comparison. I don't think there are. Like, even when you compare centers, uh, there is not a center. He's He holds the all-time record now for assists in a playoff game. He beat Bill Russell. But Russell wasn't that type of player. Russell was more of a defensive specialist. He didn't lead fast breaks like Jokic can. He couldn't shoot like Jokic either. Is he more of a um, when it comes to go ahead when it comes to passing, he's very LeBron. When it comes to passing, like running the court, telling everyone where to go, get here. Like as a floor general, he's very LeBron. Yeah, and he and I was to that point. He's not flashy like Magic, where he's gonna look one way and pass the other. He's just gonna find the open guy and hit the open guy. Like, he, he understands the game so well, like, he knows where everybody's going to be or where they're supposed to be anyway. Um, LeBron, I, I guess, like, early LeBron, like, when he passed a lot. <laughs> no, he passes more now. You think? Oh, yeah. No, when, I don't think. When the whole well, thing in this last playoff series against the Nuggets where he got swept, mind you, uh, that he was being too passive a lot of the time. At least that's what I thought he was doing. Hmm. Like, in the first quarter, like, Denver wasn't shooting well at all. And he seems to get off to these slow starts, and, and then comes on strong. I'm wondering, why Why does he, uh, is it a feeling out process? Does he just want to get his teammates involved? Uh, much like LeBron does. But, I mean, like, in the first quarters of games, he doesn't really get involved in the scoring at all or take a lot of shots at all. And then yesterday, I think, he could have been more aggressive in the first quarter because his teammates really weren't doing much. I, I think they're better when you're when you're balancing the scoring. I, I mean, I think. Well, I agree with you there. So, but if they're so not scoring, I think everybody knows he can score when he needs to get a bucket. Let's get everybody else involved first. Let's see how they're rotating uh, and how they're attacking him defensively. Um, now, I don't have a problem with him getting his guys. I don't either Evolve. if they're hitting, but, I mean, when Gordon and Porter are out there missing threes all over the place, that doesn't help. And then you, then you got it. That's why he winds up with the points that he did because he wasn't getting any help except from uh, Jamal Murray. Every time uh, – Jamal Murray was not good last night. Yeah. Every time Gordon gets the ball, though, all, I, all I see is Casper from uh, Uncle <laughs> Drew when he was uh, – Since when did Gordon become he? an outside he was threat? Casper. And Uncle Drew, he was the main like villain. Oh, he was yeah, the he one. He was the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why do you remember his? Face? I don't know. My kids used to like my youngest used to watch Uncle Drew all the time. What about is Chris Paul a fair passing comp? He's a better uh, passer than Chris Paul. Better passer than okay. I'm just. That's I'm why just I'm saying LeBron, like real floor general, like yell yell at you where to go. He knows exactly where you're gonna be on defense too. So when it comes to like the brain. It's LeBron. When it comes to the body, uh, it's LeBron. Like big fat dude that you can't stop. Yeah, he doesn't have the body of LeBron James. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, there's, there's. It's not even close. Is it like if Yao Ming had the mind of LeBron? Because Yao Ming was unstoppable, you know, like the six years he was healthy. Yeah. And he's not a white guy either. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Ken says the Joker cries about not getting every call like LeBron, so maybe your LeBron comp is... Okay, that is not true. If, if you think that, uh -oh, then, you, then that's just the every NBA player that plays today. They all are going to complain about the call. And most of does no one does Jokic is, not LeBron's get fouled over the top. more than anyone? LeBron's over the top, though. Yes, but does LeBron and Jokic not get fouled more than anyone in the NBA? And they don't call it? I would say, I, I don't know about LeBron. I would say Jokic because of his size and that whole hack-a-shack treatment, probably. I think that's probably pretty accurate. All right, let's do this. We'll continue with this topic. Uh, basically... Uh, we're looking for a comp to Jokic who isn't white. Everybody, I say everybody. The 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 comment la made last night during the uh, the broadcast. They're all, they're, yeah, they're like Larry Bird mixed with Kevin McHale, or they'll be like, oh, he's like the modern day Bill Walton. <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> it's like oh, he's like Dirk, the new age Dirk. It's like all right, okay. Anybody else? When we come back, we have a chance for you to win a little Chick-fil-A right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Dale Osborne will kick off hour number two, which includes Brian Matthews. K.J. Lacey expected to join us at 8 o'clock, and Mike Rodak on Alabama at 8.30. The Monday morning quarterback. No. The opening kickoff. Wow. Right here on the Sports Station. From? I don't know where that came from. Oof. Got to stop drinking this early in the morning. Stay with us. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. What, 6.54 already. Suddenly. One hour through the show, and we got a little Chick-fil-A for the folks. Had a little Chick-fil-A this weekend myself, Lee. That's well, a, maybe that's we can a, help you out for next weekend, That was a not-so-subtle hint that we need to replenish the... Uh, I, I'll tell you what I'm going to do after I give out the question. I'm going to ask you a question, and if you come close, if you get the answer. No, I'll you said come it. close. You said come close. All right. I'll, if you come close, <laughs> if you come close, you'll never get it, though. Oh, All right. Bill Russell. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, I'll let me dig into my pocket right now. Yeah. What? Actually, I thought about the uh, Bill Russell question because Jokic did set a, a record uh, with the 14 assists in Game One, uh, and whose record did he break as a center for most assists? It was Bill Russell. But that's not the question today. The question today is: the state of California has produced the most players who have received an NBA championship ring. They went to high school in California and eventually played on a team that won it. The state of Alabama has produced seven and only one from the Mobile area. Name the only Mobilian who has an NBA championship ring. And if you know the answer, 694-1055. All right, there you go. Well, Chick-fil-A, compliments of uh, WNSP right here on a Monday. Can't think of a better way to kick off Monday. Dale Osborne's going to join us to talk a little more NBA coming up at 7 o'clock. Um, by the way, um, there are, uh, Nick Saban and the SEC taking a little bit of a hit on this whole, uh, taking a lot of a hit. We talked a lot about that eight verse nine, but a lot of folks, and we don't need to get into the pros and cons of that again. I'm simply saying that NBA or the SEC taking a hit because of their inability to get a nine game, um, 
schedule passed for 2024, but one uh, pundit uh, had Paul Feinbaum kind of took Paul by surprise, caught him off guard, referred to Nick as being scared, Nick Saban, because he's kind of done a 180 on this 8 verse 9, and then referred to the Alabama program as decaying. How about that, Lee? Yeah, I I read quite a few stories this weekend about it, and none of them were very favorable to the SEC. And that's not a knock against Greg Sankey because he wants the nine-game schedule. It was more a knock against some of the schools that decided that they didn't want to go to nine games. And, and Nick Saban's taken hits on this before. You know, if you look at his track record against Alabama, Tennessee, and LSU, it's pretty good. That That's why people are surprised. The biggest hit to the SEC, I don't know if you do read Saturday down south yes matt hayes the story tried to get matt on he was he's not available today but matt really slammed the sec and and as well as others did too but that was the one that really stuck out to me but um nick's record against the teams that he supposedly supposedly allegedly didn't want to face as a three common opponents it's what is he like 38 and 10 or something i think my problem with Saban complaining about opponents is is that, and to some degree, Al- some Alabama fans that have a problem with it, and I understand why you have, but it's it's no different than the the crap you gave LSU fans for complaining that you had to play Florida every year, right? So if you're if you can sit there on one hand and complain or or, or mock. LSU for having to complain about playing Florida, then you can't sit here and and complain about having to play whoever your opponents are. And I don't hear, I don't hear Auburn fans complaining. None. And and I'd rather play LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. And Auburn, those three, than have to play Alabama and Georgia every every year. year. Yeah, and we've talked about that before, but. If you look at Nick's track record against those three, it's it's pretty good. I mean, come on. Like I said, it's what not I, great I, last year though. No, but still very, but it's very recency good. bias though. Thir- it's 38, 10, something like that. I mean, that, that's phenomenal. And you wonder, like, why why would you complain? Let's as a fan, obviously, you want to see games like that. And Nick is always saying, you know, we should be playing tougher games, and we should be playing, you know, games that are going to keep fans glued to their seats, like you know, late in the game. So I never really understood his thinking on that. I didn't know who who he was. I don't know if he campaigned underneath, you know, under the radar or whatever he did on this. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But it, for the, at least for the year 2024, it doesn't matter because they're not going with the nine games. And, and it's, it's unfortunate because I was hoping they would. Nick, you got a winner? Yeah, Kevin is our winner. Congratulations, Kevin. It's kind of an easy one to begin the week. Uh, Jason Caffey is the only Mobilian to get an NBA championship ring, and, of course, he did it with the Chicago Bulls. But, of course, Kevin and I both have Chick-fil-A gift cards because, well, we you, no, I never No, I never gave you the question today yet. But I had the answer before you even asked. No, it, that wasn't going to be the one I asked you. Oh, sure. It's no, it easy wasn't. Yeah, no, it is easy to say. That wasn't the one I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you a baseball question. Well, that's fun. Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. Boom! Give it to me. It's the opening kickoff. 
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. 704. I hope you and yours had a happy uh, weekend. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff, Mark Lee, Triple G, in the studios of WNSP. All right, so we'll start with headlines. How about Alabama's baseball team, Mark? Did you uh, stay up for that? I did not. Did you wake up to it? Uh, yeah, there's probably a better chance. Uh, they, they're probably still going, but not just once, but twice this twice. weekend. Late night, early morning. I guess they didn't hit midnight on Saturday when they scored four runs in the ninth inning. Uh, to to stay undefeated in this regional, but they did beat Boston College yesterday. They beat Troy on Saturday. Troy made an error with like two outs in the ninth inning and opened up the floodgates. So Alabama sweeps. They go to the Super Regionals for the first time since 2010. They'll take on Wake Forest. There have been nine teams reaching the Supers. Three of them are SEC schools, and the only two SEC schools that are totally out of it right now are Auburn and Vanderbilt. And there's still about five that can win and get in today with uh, champion if they win their championship regional game. So there's that. In softball, uh, let's see. You got Oklahoma today and Stanford. Oklahoma only has to win one. Stanford has to win twice to get to the championship bracket. And Tennessee and Florida State. Florida State's undefeated, so they only have to beat Tennessee once today. So right now, Oklahoma and Florida State are in the driver's seat to reach the College World Series softball uh, title games. NBA. We had uh, Miami. They just don't go away, do they? Came back to beat uh, Denver, trailing by as many as 15. To get more on this, let's call in assistant uh, basketball coach with the Orlando Magic, former South Alabama basketball star, and a good friend of mine, Dale Osborne. Dale, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good, Lee. Thank you very much for having me. So I'm going to ask you from a basketball expertise, how did Miami come back and defeat Denver when Denver hadn't lost a home game the entire postseason. Well, Lee, you just said it. Very resilient basketball team, tough team. Um, they're going to grind it out. If, um, if they keep it close, they got a good shot at winning it. Um, they got a lot of experience on that team. Obviously, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, those guys been in some big games. Those guys won championships. And uh, they executed. They executed uh, at the end, man. That, that's a huge win on that floor and that atmosphere at that altitude in Denver. That's a huge win for them. Do you give Miami great series, in my opinion? Do you think Miami can win this? <laughs> Boy, Lee, you know nobody even expected them to be in the playoffs. You know, I think people forget they had to they had to get to the play the play-in game to get in the playoffs. Um, but they've been shocking a lot of people. If you were to ask anybody beginning the season, did they have a shot at winning it? Miami would name with Miami's team would have never come up. But uh, I won't put anything past them. That was that was a big win. That was a that was a gritty win. And I think we've talked about this in the past. When you look at their roster, they got tough guys. And if you're not a tough guy, you're gonna have to get in line and try to be one because they got some tough guys. So, coach. React to the idea that what if you 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 make Jokic get to the lane, you stay at home defensively, let just go one on one with him, let him score a whole bunch of points, and and hope uh, if you're a Miami fan that you're just hitting from the three point line or three points, and uh, you know threes are worth more than twos, and 
maybe you win. Is that is, it, is that is that a is that a recipe for success? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to pick your poison. Obviously, if, if you're going to play him one on one like they did last night, he's going to get between 35 and 40 points. And like you said, stay home on three point shooters. Uh, Murray wasn't as effective yeah. uh, in the past. Um, but gives uh, Miami credit, Coach Spoke credit. He's not afraid to go to that zone and stay in that zone. That zone kind of took the chemistry away from Denver a little bit, and he stayed with it. And um, it looked like last night Denver didn't have any answers for the zone. I think it shocked a lot of people when they went to zone with Joker in the game because he's such an outstanding passer. But I felt like that zone broke up their chemistry a little bit, and it really helped them win the game. How about defensively for Denver when Miami had the ball? Because their coach, Malone, it seems like any time I see a quote from him, he's usually criticizing his team, whereas Bolster's always praising his team. And he wasn't uh, very nice, uh, the words he had to say about his Denver Nuggets. Yeah, you know, uh, Coach Malone, he's you know he's a no-nonsense type of guy. He's going to, the way he sees it, he's going to tell it like it is. Um, I think he made a quote in the paper. They haven't accomplished anything yet. The only time he felt like he'll accomplish something is if they win the championship. So he felt like that's the way he coaches his team. He's been coaching his team his, uh, that way the whole year. So um, that's just his philosophy. He's going he's gonna to be hard on his team. He's going to keep challenging his team. So, But from a strategic standpoint, did Denver do something different in this game that they – did accomplish in game one, but didn't accomplish yesterday? You know what, Lee? When you when they won game one, like if it ain't fixed, there's no saying if it ain't fixed, if it ain't whatever, if, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. But when you win game one, <laughs> I don't think you should go in the game thinking like what adjustments I have to make because you won game one. So they lost game two, so now they got to figure out what happened. But you don't want to mess with it if you won game one. I think Coach Malone now will go back and watch the film and see if now it's time for them to make adjustments. But, you know, the one thing I did learn as a coach, they won game one. And if you go in as a coach preparing for game two and try to make adjustments, they're looking at you like, well, Coach, we just won game one. Let's stick with this and see what they do. Do players tune out this late in the season? Oh no, Lee, this championship. They know what's they, they know what's on the line. Yeah, they know what's on the stake. Um it's a lot of film work, it's a lot of walkthroughs. Um yeah, it's not a lot of practice because they're tired, obviously. They're, you know, I, I was just telling my wife watching the game last night, Miami's been in Denver since Monday. Um, and that's a long time to be in Denver, so they have a lot of downtime to to get their rest. But no, they're locked in on they locked in on film. The championships on the line, so they're locked in. We've had this discussion here, trying to compare if there is any comparison with Jokic to any NBA players of yesteryear. Um, I guess according to uh, Nick, uh, Mark Jackson tried to compare him to Larry Bird. I don't get it as far as those two. Do you? Is, have you seen anybody, either past, present, uh, that Jokic compares to? I just think he's very unique. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I agree. I think he's very unique. Um, he can shoot it. He can pass it. He can play point guard. He's got a great feel, great touch. Um, he's going to go down as one of the greatest ever. I think whenever I watch him, you know, I was watching the game last night, and I was like, did he really hit that shot? And trust me, being in Portland, I've seen the joke a lot, but he still 
he still amazes me when I continue to watch him play. And he's such a humble guy. You, you can't help but root for him. But his skill level, his ability to, to, to make the pass, his ability to offensive rebound, uh, right now I would say there's not a weakness in his game on offensive and defensively. Um, he tries to be in the right spot. He's at the rim. But offensively, there's, there's not a weak spot in his game. Let me ask you about Jimmy Butler. I was mentioning that, you know, I saw him drive the baseline. He beats his guy. He gets underneath. He could either try a layup, reverse layup, or at the very least get fouled. And yet when I saw him, he passes off into the corner all the time. Is Has this become like, you know, let, let's give up a two for maybe a three all the time? You know what? I just think uh, Jimmy, he also has a great feel for the game, Lee. Um just watching the game, I was kind of, you know, because he's the closer. I've seen him get 50 and all that. Um, but I think he's just trying to make the right play. Obviously, they're keen in on Jimmy, especially late in the game. And I'm thinking he's just reading the defense, trying to make the right play. A lot of times, if you drive baseline, they call a baseline drive, baseline drift. That guy in the corner is going to be wide open. Dale Osborne joining us. He's the assistant coach with the Orlando Magic. I've always wanted to ask you, I haven't yet. How do coaches feel about those in-game interviews? I'm going to tell you, for me, it's annoying. I, I, do coaches like that, being interviewed while, while the game's going on or, you know, first? No, no I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, it's so much going on in the game. The last thing I think coaches want to do is interview during the game. Um, but I think the NBA, you know, put that rule in for, for, for the fans to feel a part of it. But I agree with you. No, I think that's annoying because there's so much going on during the game. Coach, appreciate it as always, man. Thanks for getting up early with us. Uh, we look forward to talking again real soon. Much. I appreciate you guys. Yep. That's uh, Dale Osborne, right. ladies and gentlemen. little NBA uh, recap for you. All right, scoreboard traffic weather. We'll do our Millite golf report. Uh, Brian Matthews at 730 on Auburn. Sarah Land quarterback K.J. Lacey going to join us at 8 o'clock. Uh, he's got an announcement that he's made. And so we'll get the latest on that. And then Mike Rodak on Alabama at 8.30. Got plenty left here on a Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee, Triple G, right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP. Speaking of this song, there was a Back to the Future uh, marathon on this weekend. I might have caught. I just course. thought I'd share that. No, I, I'm glad you did. Michael Fox uh, singing this song. and Still the best version. Oh, you think? <laughs> you yes. Think? Okay. Yes. I don't want to take any, I don't want to take anything away from Chuck Berry, though. Yeah. Because I mean, he started he it. He did. I just, I just think Michael J. Fox perfected it. That's all. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk to, uh, well, Johnny be good. Johnny Ricchetti with the Miller Lake Golf Report. What happened at the Memorial? Well, almost uh, almost a first-time winner on the PGA Tour late yesterday, but the poor guy did not hadn't made a bogey in 27 holes, and then on the 28th hole, his last hole of the day, in the 72nd hole of the tournament, Denny McCarthy ended up making a birdie. Uh, excuse me, a bogey and a force to play off with Victor Hovland, and he won on the first playoff hole. So, uh, tough break for Denny, who's trying to pick up his first victory, but uh, 
Victor Hovland with his win, which is, by the way, his fourth win on the PGA Tour. His first win, I didn't realize, uh, is the first time he's won on American soil. As He's won down in Mexico twice, Puerto Rico once. Obviously, he's won worldwide before, but uh, Victor Hovland, his first time he's won on, on American soil. He's your memorial champion. Uh, Jack Nichols, the host of this tournament on a very, very difficult Murfield Village golf course that played extremely tough uh, as seven under par uh, was the winning score, which obviously was in a playoff. But uh, all in all, it was a uh, good event as uh, we're getting just a few events left uh, before the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. They have a PGA Tour moves to Canada this week for the Canadian Open. Rory McIlroy, who had who had the lead early in the round yesterday, continues to stumble uh, on, on, on route to a three-over-par 75, uh, which featured three bogeys in a row on the back nine. So we'll be on the air tonight live at uh, 6 o'clock, live from Felix's Fish Camp. And congratulations to Price Brown uh, for winning the Mobile Metro City Championship at Azalea City this weekend. And uh, Rosie Zhang, the standout uh, amateur golfer who just turned pro from Stanford, won the NCAA championships, wins on the LPGA Tour this week and had her first start as a professional. Johnny, so let, we'll Johnny, let me, in, let me interrupt tonight. Let me interrupt a second because Mark's having a hard time figuring out who to root for with the Vegas, Florida Panthers, National Hockey League Stanley Cup. Uh, help us out. Who's going to win this? I think I'm going, uh, I've said uh, from the start, uh, I think uh, the Florida Panthers are destiny. And I just think they got a, they got a, uh, uh, they got one heck of a hockey player, Matthew Kachuk. And I just think that eventually they were in that game in game one, uh, obviously stumbled down the stretch, but I think they're going to come out tonight and win game two. And I think the Florida Panthers are going to win the Stanley Cup. Mark, do you know that both the Panthers and the Miami Heat were eight seeds? Would that not be quite a story if they both won? Johnny, thank you so much. Talk to you Friday. Right, you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you on Monday. You bet. Bye-bye now. Did he say Monday? Today is Monday. In- indeed, today is Monday. Friday. Johnny, you're on for Friday. He's not there anymore. I knew that. Did you? Yeah, I knew that. Uh, we only got a minute here. Did y'all see how crazy you, you showed me where a doubles team at the French Open got DQ'd because one of the uh, women on the team accidentally hit the ball girl uh, during their third round match. So I watched the video and it was most ridiculous. By the way, this poor ball girl is bawling. She is absolutely, she's crying her eyes out. I guess it hit her in the neck or something. Yeah, how like... But it was just this random run-of-the-mill, like, backhand that didn't really have any, you know, that that hot dog didn't have any mustard on it. I mean, she just kind of half-heartedly swung at it, but this girl was in tears. It was an accident, uh, but apparently, according to rules, if you hit a shot that hits ball girl, ball boy, you can be uh, disqualified. Hmm. Now, was this actually during the competition, or sometimes you'll see a tennis player after a it they was between point. points. So it wasn't going for points. This no, was between, this so was between points. Right. So she just took a whack at the ball and somehow, some way, it yeah, hit the ball. Yeah, she just kind of half-heartedly backhanded. That's what I thought. Boom, nailed her right in, in, in the, in I guess, the Adam's apple. Or do women t- women don't have Adam's apple, do they? I don't think they did. Anyway, hit her, hit her in the throat. 
and girl is like all red and crying like yeah she just got dumped right so <laughs> the, like, um, i shouldn't be laughing at this girl but it was kind of funny so this doubles team uh, they they met with the officials the judge it's his decision and uh, i guess they weren't going to disc and then they did they said you're done it's so it's so I, stupid no, it's so stupid uh, Can you imagine, like, because if they would have, if she would have missed, it would have been like, all right, let's just keep going. Think it was, of any sport where basketball, you, you throw the ball, goes out of bounds, you hit somebody, got a game. How about baseball yeah, when you hit true. a foul ball? You hit a foul ball, uh, and it hits somebody. Or let's say, well, they're not going to throw you out of the baseball game. I hope not. That's what I'm saying. I didn't know there's such a rule existed until yesterday or the other day, Saturday, I think. I sympathize with this girl. Why? Did you see the video? I'm gonna send you the no, video. but. When I was a kid that oh went boy. to the Boys and Girls Club, one time I was watching a game of ping pong. <laughs> oh, and I was sitting right there in the middle waiting my turn. Yeah. And this guy went to spike the ball. Yeah. And then he missed the ball. Oh, he got you with the paddle? kept swinging across, and it slapped me right <laughs> in the face, dude. <laughs> and then, like, an hour later, you know, like, what Squidward's nose looks like on yeah. SpongeBob? Yeah. The bruise had swollen up so big that it had an overhang like that. Did you cry like for 10 minutes? My eye. 10 to 15 minutes, did you cry? Yeah, I was crying. I um, was crying my eyes out. Did they have somebody to give you medical attention? Um... I don't know if they really did anything other than just kind of, you know, or, iced it a little bit, I think. Or I did you get so upset? the initial moment and being and crying really Or hard. did you get so upset you went after the guy? Huh? No, because you see, I knew it's not like he did it on purpose. I was just kind of angry at uh, the situation in general. Were you a little embarrassed, maybe? Yeah, because I have a... I got I just got smacked in the face. And you know it's it's bad when everyone in the room's like, dang <laughs> when it happens, you know? So that adds on to it. And then right. I had this big lump on my face. So I put the I, I sent you the link. I put the link of the, the ball girl getting hit. Uh I actually I do feel bad, but it is it is like she was like, I'm okay, I'm okay, but she's all like flush and uh, I actually kinda I do feel bad. I do, but it is it's also kind of funny. So I put it in the uh, app so you guys can see. I, I guess the bigger issue is like what are we tossing? What are we we DQing the team for? I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, we'll we'll talk some Auburn. Brian Matthews is next. Stay with us. Forrest Gump over there. Triple G and his ping pong woes. Did you get to play, by the way, after that? I don't think I wanted to. Huh. I think I went over to the bumper pool table the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us. The opening kickoff. <laughs> on this Monday edition. If you'd like to share the uh, most devastating sports injury you ever uh, sustained, you can hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. Nick, of course, hit with the ping pong paddle. 
Uh, and, of course, the ball girl at the French Open after a doubles team got DQ'd. She was in pretty rough shape when that uh, when that ball hit her, I guess, in the throat, Lee. So if you want to share, you guys, uh, some of your uh, uh, more devastating injuries, we, we'd like you to hear from you. You had a pretty devastating injury yourself, right, ACL? I tore my ACL in a game of family, fun, uh, family football on Thanksgiving Day. We were playing on some sod. I, I made the catch. I hung on to the ball. That's the important thing until I was down, and then I was grabbing my knee. But, yes, it was a— That's pretty devastating, ACL. Yeah. yeah. Did you at least stick around for the turkey? <laughs> yeah, I actually drove back to Mobile because we were in New Orleans. I uh, went to work that night. Aren't um, you tough? Well, I mean, you rub a little dirt on it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Right. You do what you got to do to help the team win. Uh, that's maybe what Aaron Judge should have done. Instead, you know, he played last night instead of sitting out for hurting his foot for knocking a fence down. Some of us have heart. Others, All right, we told you about Aaron Judge. SEC teams: Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, going to the Supers, or five others that have a shot at it today. And the only two that were eliminated: Vanderbilt and Auburn. And to weigh in on what happened with Auburn, let's bring in Brian Matthews from Auburn Sports. Brian, thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning. Good morning, and I know those family pickup games can be uh, dangerous. You got to be, got to be careful. Did you ever have anything happen to you, Brian? <laughs> nothing, nothing that put me in a hospital. Let's put it that way. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, we were talking about that French Open where they disqualified the doubles team because uh, one of them backhanded a ball that hit the ball girl. That's how this whole conversation <laughs> got started. So what? Uh, what happened? What happened with uh, baseball? I. I expected a lot better in Auburn with a really good season goes two and out. Uh, does this kind of throw a, let's say, a cloud over the season? Yeah, I, I definitely disappointing end for sure, and uh, you know caught me off guard a little bit. Um, they, you know, they finished the season on eight game winning streak, stretched nine the tournament. Um, you know, and then they got knocked out of Hoover, and you know they looked a little tired to me up there when, when I was there to watch them and. Um, I thought this week off would really do them a lot of good. And they come out sort of recharged, refreshed, and uh, it didn't happen. They just kind of fell flat. They batted 181 in the in the two games. They didn't have one extra base hit. Uh, it just really, really struggled. It was it was kind of surprising to see. Are you attending today's uh, championship game? Uh, I'm not planning to. I got uh, a football camp I got to go to and a bunch of other stuff going on. But, um yeah, it'll be Penn and, and uh, Southern Miss playing for the uh, championship and chance to play um, as a Tennessee, I guess, in the Super Regional. Yeah, and so you had, like, uh, Penn from the Ivy League, and I know there's probably most people there thought this is a gimme, right? But uh, what happened in that game? I think you had to go extra innings on in that one. Yeah, I, th- I think the big thing with Penn is that they came with some really good arms, and um Auburn ran into one, and, and uh, he did a great job uh, shutting Auburn down for um, most of that game. Ryan Matthews from Auburn Sports. This camp you're attending, anything to do with Auburn? Yeah, Auburn's starting their uh, football camps uh, today. So uh, just go out there and check it out and see, see who shows up and see if anybody has a really good day. So, you know, just part of the job. It's something we do practically every summer. So um, uh, that and you got some official visitors that will be leaving, uh, you know, in a little while too. We'll be catching up with them. So, is the football team back on campus uh, and, and and working out these days? They are. Um, the remaining guys in the, in the 23 class reported um, last weekend, 
uh, short a couple that still working on the grades there. Uh, they added a commitment over the weekend to a cornerback, Champ Anthony. He is a, a junior college kid that's going to play this fall. So that's kind of a late pickup. They want a little uh, more depth there in the secondary. He'll be reporting soon. And, and those guys are, are going through summer workouts and also doing stuff on the side too, such as quarterbacks and receivers throwing the ball together. Hugh Freeze was asked about the influx of transfers. I think you're up to Auburn's up to about 23 or something like that. He kind of glossed over it, you know, like how are these players going to fit in? Is this he wasn't asked specifically, is this too many? But I'd like to get your take on that, bringing in that many newcomers and such a changeover. It's not quite as many as Colorado, but it is the second most in the nation. Yeah, I believe it's 20 in and 20 out uh, for Auburn on the transfer portal uh, so far. Uh, and I think they're probably done there. But I think that brings their um, totals up um, you know, really close to 85 uh, for the season. But, uh, I, you know, I think this Auburn team needed it. I think this Auburn team was um, really short on talent in a lot of areas, especially on the offensive and defensive line and the quarterback and uh, receiver. And they had to address those needs, and the only way to do it, you know, to make Auburn a more competitive team this fall was to hit at the transfer portal. So I think he did a really good job, uh, him and his staff, doing that. Uh, they're not going to be able to build a, a championship team doing that. They're going to have to start recruiting better, um, you know, high school uh, ranks and uh, that really uh, that really starts in June in a lot of ways. It doesn't start in June, but June's going to be a big month for that with all the official visitors coming in. You know, sometimes you make a bigger splash in basketball by getting your players back from the NBA draft. Is that what happened with Bruce Pearl and Auburn over the weekend, or at least uh, late last week? Yeah, I think it was pretty big for them. You know, um, and I, I think it was expected too. I don't, I don't think. Um, you know, anybody thought Janai Broom or Jalen uh, Simpsons, Jalen Williams were going to go in the NBA draft right away, although um, Janai had a really, really good, um, you know, good work out there at, the, at both camps and um, I think really helped himself in the future and should come back and have a terrific season. But uh, getting those guys back officially I thought was really big for Auburn and, uh, you know, with the additions they had in the portal, uh, getting some wings in here with some length. They can shoot the three. I think this should be a better team next year. Well, they not only get him back, Caldwell, Cardwell comes back, Williams comes back. So yep. that's basically their front line then. Do they have anybody – did they bring anybody else? Because I know they lost the seven-footer when Flanagan, the assistant coach, left to go to Ole Miss, and they had a couple of decommits, including one from this area. But uh, have they actually brought in anybody to help the front line? Well, the decommits were for players for the 24 class that wouldn't be here until next year. Um, but, yes, they brought in uh, three um, transfers. Uh, Denver Jones is a 6'4 guard uh, who's coming in. Uh, helped out a lot. And then Chad uh, Baker-Mazzara uh, is a 6'7 sort of wing who can also play the forward position. And then Shane Johnson, of course, from UAH, is another guy that's 6'7. That's probably going to play the uh, three, but can also slide down the fourth needed. But, you know, they've got the top two um, centers back in, in Broom and Cardwell. Uh, Jalen's back at four, and then Chris Moore's back at four. So, um, you know, they've got the same guys back at those two positions. What are the benefits of opening up the season in South Dakota as they are against Baylor? I think um, Bruce really likes to test his team in the preseason, right? And it's important also to play um, 
games are going to end up helping their RPI. So I think, um, you know, those those um, early games are, are going to be both uh, traveling, you know, to a different part of the country where a lot of these kids haven't been before is, is an experience, and it's also going to be a test for them, especially early. And they're going to be playing, uh, you know, a good team out there. So that's, that's going to be really good for them, especially when you bring in so many new players to this team. Aiden Holloway, the um, McDonald's All-American point guard, also joining the team. So you're looking at, at a at a starting five that's probably going to have three, at least three newcomers, I would think. So, um, you know, it's important to test those guys early to, you know, get them to push themselves to get better right away. So I think that's a terrific, um, you know, opening uh, game for Auburn. You know, Auburn fans uh, who can't get tickets to home games, they, they do go out of their way to go to visiting yeah. arenas uh, in the SEC, but I doubt you're going to see many taking the trip to, I, I guess, uh, South Dakota, uh, Sioux City. Yeah, that's a long way. So, yeah, maybe, maybe there's some Auburn folks up there that can get a chance to see it. Though. Hey, Brian, great stuff as always, man. We always appreciate you jumping aboard. Tell folks how they can get the latest on all things Auburn. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, you can check that out on Sports.com. We'll have coverage of the three uh, official visitors that are leaving today, uh, sometime today after they leave. And, uh, you know, possibly we some camp coverage. Just some good players show out uh, later today. And plenty more at AuburnSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at BMATAU. Hey, man, thanks for the time. Uh, have a great week. Appreciate it. Yep, that's Brian Matthews, ladies and gentlemen. So you had a very serious injury, whereas – you know, Nick's was basically a slap in the face. Yeah, but now I got street cred. Like, uh, Nick walking around like he's the guy that got hit with the ping pong paddle. <laughs> I think I'd rather the torn ACL. Now, my problem with my ACL was I developed uh, Infection. Blood, blood clots yeah. in my lung. So I was on I was on uh, blood thinners for a year. So mine was probably more serious, but... I would think so, Mark. I think, I I th- I think, I think Nick took a little bit of an ego hit with that big bruise on... The, what was it, on the, on the forehead? Where'd you get it? Right, right, right across the top of the uh, eye or something? Yep, right above the eyebrow. Yeah, I think I, I think I made out with a better deal. <laughs> I can't match stories like that. I I never had a uh, an injury such as the ones well, you're talking about. It's ter- it's early. I tell you one. I tell you the one time I was really upset with myself, but I had no control over it. So we're playing a little league baseball game. <laughs> And I hit a foul ball, and this parent was holding a baby, <laughs> and the ball. Mr. Baby, the baby killer. Yeah, I was really, obviously, petrified. I was like, gosh, I hope everything's okay. It turned out it was, but when it first happened, it wasn't like I hit a scorching liner. I wasn't really that great a hitter. I didn't hit, you know, balls at, you know, like velocity at 100 miles an hour, but still it was a foul ball, and direct hit you know on the parent that was holding the baby oh you hit the parent or the baby i think the baby i, I it's been so long <laughs> baby I think. The, the parent used the baby as a shield yeah i, I don't remember did, but <laughs> did you all see this weekend at one of the regionals there was a a, a foul ball deep uh it, it, um and there was a concourse area where a guy w- was running with a kid it bounced a couple times and he was trying to barehand it he tripped and actually fell on the kid. I'll have to send it out. It's it's. I've never really got understand that. Like a lot, many times during the baseball season, you'll got, you'll see a guy holding a baby trying to catch a foul ball. Sometimes that doesn't go well. But when it does, you're like I know you're when crazed, it goes you're well. Like, you're mortal. Yes, you're you're very famous. You're you're like in, you're you're the new hero. But it doesn't always happen. 
Wow. Remember the uh, years ago, Josh Hamilton hit a foul. I think it was a foul ball in the Texas game. And the fan leaned over and tried to catch the ball. He fell over the railing yeah, and died. And died. Yeah. But I've never, if you've got a kid, a youngster, why do you, why are you chancing it? Um, I mean, foul ball, how much do they cost? What? How much is a baseball these days? But the memories are forever, Lee. Yeah. So if, if you had little, uh, if you had little Ryan on your lap back in the day, and you're there watching your Mickey Mantle, and Mickey Mantle. you're watching Babe Ruth, and he puts Maybe one in the stands. Off, but so okay. years ago, I say when I say years ago, this is before the two of you were even born or even can thought to be born. Give me a story that isn't doesn't start with before uh, y'all before were you. born. So my mom took. My brother and I at Yankee Stadium. Okay. All right. Uh, we're up there in the second deck. Okay. Now, Prime my brother is always, oh, you know, I can't. I want to catch a foul ball. I want to catch a foul ball. My mom could care less about baseball. She brings her magazines and she's reading magazines. <laughs> so my mom, she's. Let's see. I'm sitting. Then my brother's next to me, and then my mom. So my mom gets up. I don't know where she went. Maybe the restroom, maybe to buy a hot dog. I, I have no idea. She just walked up and left. Swear this happened. The next batter hits a foul ball that hits the seat where she just vacated. She wouldn't have been paying attention at all because she would have been reading her magazine. My brother, who's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to get a foul ball, he shied away from it. The ball bounced away, and somebody else got it. Oh, uh, he's all chance. talk. Yeah, he was all talk. All he had to do was just reach over and grab it. I don't remember if he brought his mitt or not to the game, but, I mean, he was close to it. He could have come up with it. He flunked. We need to have your brother on again. Didn't we have him on once? Once. Yeah, we need to have him on again. Very Find expensive to get on. you got to go through his agents. Really? He no, doesn't no, give no, you the actually, family discount? No family discount. No, he's he li he actually likes doing that. He would He would if I called him. Maybe Jump we'll at the call opportunity. him tomorrow. We well, have to get him early, because he's you know the Eastern Time Zone. Plus, he I think he's a substitute teacher, so you got to get him early. What's he teach? That I couldn't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> you guys are close. Yeah, <laughs> not that close. <laughs> I don't know what he teaches. All right, uh, you guys uh, in the app. Catch a foul ball and a glass of beer while holding a baby, then chug it. Chug, chug the beer, not the baby. <laughs> okay, thank you. And they you. might call you God at local bars. This is a true statement. And I've seen that happen. But how good can that beer taste with a dirty baseball in it? It's it's celebratory. You're immortal. You are a, you are a living legend for a brief moment in time. <laughs> You're immortal for a moment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> People only dream of those moments. Very, very few select people get to live it. Did you ever catch a foul ball or any baseball at a baseball game, Mark? Fact, fact is, did you ever go to a game? Yeah. Okay, did you ever catch a? Uh, no. I did one time. You know, one, one time. time. Only once. And it bounced about five times before it fell in my lap. Oh, you didn't pounce on it? Nope. You didn't fight off the I kid? Was, it was behind home plate. The ball bounced about three or four times. You know how bad my situation? I once went to a Bay Bear game, took my son. We're up in the upper deck. Yeah. There was maybe five people up there. Yeah. And we never got a baseball. 
We should rename the show like the Lee Chronicles. Good idea. Yeah. Just what are you, what what are you waiting for? I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll talk to talk to your uh, assistant program director. Yeah, the assistant PD in there. Make it happen, Mister Ping Pong. Poor guy. Do you, so do you get like sweats, like night sweats? Do you have nightmares? Like if you're around a ping pong table, do you start to freak out? No, <laughs> um, I think I've uh, overcome that. He has to See, get I up. I don't in think it was. I don't. Do you See, have to get like up and walk out during the Forrest Gump in the scene when he's playing ping pong? Do you have to get up and walk, or do you switch the channels? <laughs> I can't watch. <laughs> you can't watch. <laughs> or that movie Balls of Fury. Yeah. Oh no, I can't watch it. Can't do it. <laughs> When you were the uh, ping pong uh, star in your own right, could you hit it as fast as those guys do? When you're watching them in the Olympics or something like that, it, you know, like that. Can like you do what that? again? Do that again? Like that. I knew a guy named uh, Aaron. Uh, Shout out, Aaron. Hoop with at the South Rec Center. He's a professional ping pong player, and he travels to uh, different, you know, tournaments around the country and plays ping pong. Has he ever been hit upside the head with a paddle? No, but he also is an OnlyFans model. And you know this because... Is that how you guys met? He <laughs> no, he told me that. And he, he's a, he's a uh, little person. And so that's like the... Uh, how do I say this? There's a certain... Clientele? Yeah, there's a certain clientele and taste for what he does. And I was like... Do you enjoy that? And he's like, nah, it's just for the check. I was like, all right, respect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's wrap up hour number two next with your phone call, 694-1055. The opening kickoff continues. Uh, Sarah Lane quarterback K.J. Lacey will kick off hour number three. Mike Rodak on Alabama at 830. All right. Ken, Triple G is like bro's barbecue when Willie slaps his mom because the barbecue is so good. Left her concussed and a handprint on her face. Yeah. Your parents have pictures of you with that with that injury? That ping pong injury? No. I've had a lot of little kid injuries. Like, my across the street neighbor, he had this really steep hill uh, of a driveway. And so I was like, I'm going to ride my scooter down this thing. Halfway down the hill, fall forward, and just slid down the rest of it on my face uh, and like my body and everything and I just didn't have like any skin on the front of my body dude was two-faced I like yeah. it all right wrapping up hour two next stay with us hey there this is Bob Baumauer ex-jock head fry cook and I listen to 105.5 WNSP Mobile Alabama <laughs> Uh, 7.54, Sean in the app probably described the end of that segment best when he said there's a lot, there's so much to unpack with that. Yes. Um, apparently, different strokes for different folks. But Mark, am I lying though? I got people questioning the validity of that. No, that's not the first time I've heard that story. I actually heard that story in its entirety, uh, which is not exactly family friendly. I mean, we could probably... Um, describe exactly what he does. Not Nick, but the guy he plays basketball with or has played basketball with. Pro ping pong player. Pro ping pong player who is um, 
short, right? I mean, he's, he's a little he's, person. He's, he's, I think he's, that's he's the small. Proper term. Um, he uh, he does OnlyFans, uh, and it's kind of like that. Bank. Yeah, he makes money because he he offers services that are not. Uh, <laughs> uh, not everybody can uh, uh, can provide. Is that fair? Everybody uh, can, but yeah, let's go with that. So you remember, like when MMA first started, they always put like the most dr- drastic differences to get, like it was like the real, like it was the boxer versus like the karate guy, or like the sumo wrestler versus the really small martial arts expert. He. He tends to kind of fit that bill a little bit. <laughs> I know where you're going right? with that. Like, so is that is that fair? Yeah. I mean, there's just like a lot of details that we just can't say on this radio show, but um But yeah. Okay. He's an interesting guy, really nice guy, really cool guy. Uh Aaron, if you're listening, <laughs> shout out. I told him I wanted to make like a documentary of his life. Like he's that interesting. Hmm. Oh, by the way, speaking of documentaries, as first broken here on the opening kickoff last year, Lee, uh, it is being reported that Netflix working on that Florida Gators oh, yeah. Urban Meyer documentary. How about that? I saw that story that you posted on it. I assume this will be... <laughs> I didn't know if there was assume, more to that statement. No, I don't know. I'm assuming this will not come off good for Urban Meyer. Um, there were a lot of things that happened during his watch at Florida. You know, I'm curious how he'll be welcomed back when they bring him back to campus, if they do, because of all... The, wasn't there, like... I'm trying to remember the stat. 25 to 30 players who somewhere along the line were in trouble legally. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty impressive run there for, yes, the, it was. for the folks in Gainesville. But but they won two titles there. Yeah, two in his three years. So, so does so that Yeah, I think, I think it'll be one of those deals where um, I think they'll balance the good with the bad. But, I mean, that you got titles, arrests, Tim Tebow, Aaron Hernandez. Like, there's, there's a whole where, lot. Where is uh, Urban Meyer now? He's doing Fox. He's still at Fox. Fox. Do you remember who the quarterback was, though, who led them to their first title? Tebow was a backup. Chris Leak. Yes. Another uh, very good Chick-fil-A card for me. That's two today. Two. Yep. I'm killing it over here. You're going to have to do an extra workout to work it off. <laughs> Unless I give you a salad. Yeah. An extra workout? So you mean one. one. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much it. I don't keep this girlish figure just what naturally is, And now. then yesterday... Was it the NBA game? Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing all these promos for Netflix. Oh, yeah. He's the new uh, spokesperson. He's the new president of action. So he's gone from governor to doing Netflix promos. Well, he's doing that. He's the he's their president of action. Okay, what is that? Is that like some group, some some new organization? Like, I guess if. Netflix has different divisions like comedy, drama, animation. Then they have action, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's the president of that division. Hmm. And he, did you watch that new series he's in? I heard it sucked. He's he's not good. 
All right, hour number three, we'll kick things off with KJ Lacey. Uh, Mike Rodak will join us as well. What's the uh, funniest, most entertaining you have, uh, or most entertaining story you have about sustaining an injury? For Nick, he was standing there watching a ping pong game uh, match when he inadvertently got hit by a paddle, and he had a bruise to show for it. Pretty funny stuff. Or not. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 804, welcome back in. The opening kickoff, hour number three. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls in just a little bit. Let's catch up with uh, K.J. Lacey, the Sarah Land quarterback, who I believe just uh, last night got back from Austin, Texas. K.J., good morning. How are you today? Uh, good morning. I'm, I'm good. How about y'all? What time did you get in uh, either this morning or late last night? Uh, we got back to our house at like 2 a.m. And look at you up to join us. You know, before oh, yeah. <laughs> you, before you graduate, you might have your own radio show here. You were here in the studio <laughs> last week, right? You, didn't you do about a half an hour? Uh, yes, sir. See, and now you're you're back with us. And I know when we come out there in the fall, I'm sure uh, you, you'll be brought into Air Sports One. So tell me, uh, you're, you committed to Texas. What sold you on the Texas program? Really, it was just like, you know, when you think about Texas, it's like, uh, you think about like more like real country, like empty, like farms, ranches, everything. But when you go out there, it's just like, the city of Austin was just beautiful. Um, like, it was it was really nice, you know, the, like the facility, football facility and everything. Like, it was just, it, it was all nice. And then, you know, the coaches on top of that, the like the football program, everything, that kind of like just really topped it off. So uh, yeah, that was that's like the major part of my decision. What do they do on your when you visit Texas? Was this an official visit? Uh, it was unofficial. Oh, so do they do they take care of you? Do they wine and dine you, or on an unofficial visit, or what do they do? Um, not really. Uh, we like we go out to eat, but like you know, you have to pay for everything like on your own. But uh, I mean, everything was just it was all fun. Though. Did you get to meet Arch Manning? Uh, yes, sir. We sat down. We had dinner with him. Did you tell him that when you, if you hold to this commitment, that you're going to beat him out in your first year? <laughs> no, I wasn't nothing. But I hadn't uh, announced anything yet, so I was just talking to him like regular one-on-one, really. You learned anything from him or about Texas or about the Manning family? Um, not really. Uh, he was just telling me about. Um, how Austin, he, he said Austin reminded him of New Orleans. I, I told uh, Coach Milby that when I first got there, just like all the food trucks and everything on the side, like down the streets and everything. So uh, he was just telling me a little bit about that and then, um, you know, talk about Sarah Land. You know, he's been down there to throw a couple of times with uh, David with QB Country. So uh, we basically talked about that stuff. KJ Lacey, our guest here on WNSP. All right, so you tweeted out that you're 1,000% committed. Yes, sir. <laughs> so we're done. Stick a fork in you. The recruiting process is over? Oh, yeah. So, KJ, let me ask you this. Uh, 
down the road, and again, I bring up the Manning name, will you be attending the Manning Academy, or have you already been there, or might you come in as a uh, counselor? Um, I've never done it before, but um, I'm pretty sure I'll be there this year. I just have to figure out what like what day it's going to be on and where it's going to be at, so I can uh, make sure, like, uh, just cl- clarify everything, really. Compare Nick Saban to Sarkeesian as far as recruiting you. Um, I really I heard a whole lot more from the Texas side with uh, Coach Sark. So, uh, you know, when I go up there, I get to talk to Saban. Uh, it was more like I could call Texas whenever I wanted to. So, um, I mean, it was way more open with Texas on that part. So I just felt way more comfortable up so, there. So here's the deal. Your uh, ace receiver, Ryan Williams, right? You're both going to be yes, juniors. Sir. He's already committed to Alabama. Did he try to recruit right. you to Alabama? Yes, sir. <laughs> Do you think he'll give up on that? Um, I'm trying to get him to take this now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I'm trying. laughs> what do you think? What do you think has a better chance of happening? You go to Alabama or he comes to Texas? I'm not even sure yet. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> wait a minute. KJ, wait. You you hold the advantage because you're throwing right. the football. If you don't, if you freeze him out, right? Right. Ryan, you want the football? Yeah. You're following me to Austin, <laughs> Texas, right? I got something oh, there. Yeah, I, I would just start calling all the plays with uh, Texas lingo just to get under his skin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, I, I got to get him that up for sure. Uh. I think the reports were that you got roughly 30 offers. How many of those are legitimate in the sense, KJ, that guys are reaching out to you, they want you to come take a visit, and how much of that is, man, this kid looks pretty good. He's 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 climbing all these rankings. We're going to throw him an offer. You know what I mean? Like, Were they all right. legit? So I was in contact with so many coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was just like, we want you to come up for a visit, uh, it, like communicating, you know, just me calling them and everything. It was it was a lot. The main ones were the ones I put in my top nine, but there were also some outside of my top nine that I had that I was just, like, in contact with a lot also. And how much does NIL play in uh, that recruiting process? How many, how many coaches? Were there a lot of programs that talked about the NIL opportunities, and it, was that something that was one of the kind of the boxes you wanted to check when you were trying to decide on what you wanted to do with the next four years? Um, so most of them were just like, like nobody really brought it up right out the blue. Uh, I didn't bring it up. You know, I was just going on like based on like the football program and the coaches, like the coaches I can get when I go there. But a couple of them brought it up like in the sense of, you know, basically like when you get here, we have a whole lot of boosters. So once like your um season like the season everything starts up once like once you get on campus that's how you get paid based on basically how you perform so that was the main thing sarah land quarterback kj lacy joining us he is verbally committed to texas says it's a 1000 uh commitment <laughs> so do you do you have to when you commit do you have to call or do you call all the other coaches and tell them that you're going to texas so um I I communicated a, a little bit. Uh, it was it wasn't like a whole lot. It was basically like kind of my top nine, really. Um, I talked to um, I think Alabama last minute. 
um, like right before I committed, just like filling them in on everything while I was up there. So uh, that was like the main thing. Um, just, you know, just making sure everybody knew that I was going to commit so that it wasn't like a whole big thing out the blue like that. So I wouldn't like ruin any relationships or anything with anybody else. So when you when you talk to Alabama, directly to Nick Saban or to one of his assistants? I was one of the assistants. Um, you know, he was just letting me know, uh, like, they're not going to stop recruiting me, basically. Um, <laughs> like, uh, no, like, no matter what I did, they were going to still be recruiting me. Is there – I got to believe that Saralance facilities are probably better than some of the colleges that offered you. True or false? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure 100%, but I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's better than a couple of them out there. Yeah. What are you doing this summer now to get ready for the start of the season? And you got that powerhouse team coming in from uh, Tennessee. Uh, what What's your game? What are you going to be working on? So we're going to start up on spring practice uh, sometime this week coming up. So, you know, just get back into that. Um, make sure everybody's on the same page. I'm going to be doing my quarterback stuff, like, off to the side, you know, because mostly it's going to be, like, spring training, like, conditioning, all that stuff first. So uh, I'll be training, like, quarterback-wise, get my receivers together, throw, all that stuff, just so we don't lose any, like, connections or anything. But uh, other than that, I mean, just going to be with the team, really. Do you Are you going to be involved in these seven-on-sevens? Uh, yes, yeah, so we have seven-on-sevens coming up. Um, I think Alabama. I think we're hosting one and then another one at uh, Foley. How does it, the one at Foley. It's an amazing story that here you are, you're, you're just going to be a junior. You're surrounded by a ton of talent, and all of you are going through basically a junior, senior year still to go. Uh, it's amazing yeah, how you're all, like, you started as freshman and, and then the sophomore, and here you got a championship already. You know oh, you're yeah. gonna you know you're gonna be a marked team next year, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that's the main thing we're working on right now. Just trying not to take any opponents, like as you know, just that we know we're, that we're better than them. You know, we're just going into the game like we're gonna win. Like we we want to win the games. We want to win by uh, like what we did last year. Went into every game. We want to win by half a hundred. So we want to go in there and put up fifty or more every game. Uh, I mean, we came out sometimes. We put up like you know, like forty four, something up in there. But you know, as long as we put up like the points and everything that we need to put up, our defense is gonna handle everything. So um, I think we should be good coming in this year. KJ, who has a uh, better shot at overthrowing Ryan on a go route? You. <laughs> Or Coach Kelly? Um, uh, probably me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Coach Kelly probably hit him. Uh, he'll probably hit him in stride a little bit. But um, you know, I probably, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I, I have a better shot at overthrowing him. <laughs> the the uh, the main difference is you won't be sore the next morning after trying to do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's a better one. Who has a better chance of outrunning Ryan Williams, you or Jeff Kelly? I'm not. I'm not sure on that one, but either of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, I'm just teasing. We'll try to keep up. <laughs> so, during the spring, d did the offense do better or the defense? Your defense were they the be the better unit or was it the offense during spring? Um, honestly, I think it was like back and forth a whole lot. It would be some days we come out. Uh, it would never be like really lopsided, you know. But uh, sometimes we come out firing at the beginning, and then next thing you know, they come out and they just like completely shut everything down. 
um, towards the end of practice or, you know, or we're just going back and forth the whole time. But um, honestly, I think the defense got us a little bit, um, you know, just coming in and everything. But it, it should be that way. Uh, it's better, you know, than us to be killing them every day at practice. So I like that way better. You know, I mentioned Manning, but, you know, he's not even the starting quarterback coming in. It's that you uh, – was it Uwe's, Uwe's as the uh, starter from last year? Uh, uh, Ewers, yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, are you going to be attending the uh, Alabama-Texas game this coming uh, Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. (laughs) Sitting on which side? (laughs) I'll have to sit on the Alabama side, but I'll be there. (laughs) Very good. So you you can call Sark anytime you want then, right? Oh, yes, sir. Okay, so when we come out there in the fall for our game day and we have you on, Mm -hmm. you, you could actually dial him up and he could be on the show with us? Um, I'll see if he's cool with it, and then I go from there. You're a better man than I am, KJ. I'd tell Lee to, to well, I'll tell him off the air. How about that? <laughs> hey, uh, congratulations on all the success. We really uh, we appreciate you coming aboard, and we look forward to having you on again. Yes, sir. All right. Take care. That's KJ all Lacey, right. ladies and gentlemen, working yep. on about five hours, I think, of sleep. Crazy. Uh, but he is 1,000% committed to the Texas Longhorns. All right, uh, tra- scoreboard traffic and weather next. Uh, an open segment for you guys at 694-1055. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk to Mike Rodak. He covers Alabama. Uh, stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Andrew Bell, Alabama former quarterback. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Hey, Coach. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Uh, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just that's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say... Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, Isn't that what they did though yesterday? Didn't they turn him into a score? They turned him into a score. Forty one. I mean, points. maybe he doesn't like the the way in which. Maybe he doesn't like that. Eye, maybe. Yeah, you have but to have your eye. But that's my point, though. Like, I, I think that was kind of condescending on his pa- on his part. Well, I have an eye exam today. I want to see if I can get my eyes trained better. But, I mean, isn't that exactly what happened last night? That was Malone, I assume. Was that the head coach, uh, Mike Malone or Mark, whatever? No, that was no, Spolstra. That was uh, Spolstra. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking where, where was the reporter wrong there? I'm asking. And she even prefaced, hey, I may be oversimplifying things. Right. But. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was kind of condescending. I mean, I. Dude only had four assists. He was at, like averaging a triple double or something stupid. Well, no one was hit in their shots, so he could have easily had ten assists if people were shooting like they're supposed to. <laughs> they should have won that game, but it's all good. But you know, and, and you, they were out shot from the three point line. Miami had an incredible night. Denver did not. But just some of those shots Denver was hoisting. Uh, Jamal Murray was shooting from about 25, 30 feet away. I mean, I just think it was incredible how when you have a guy that can score from inside like that, 
why you're hoisting, especially early in the game, Porter, too. And even Gordon. I was watching Gordon miss a bunch, and he's not a three-point shooter. Casper! You like him? Uh, he's never been the reputation of being a three-point shooter. <laughs> then again, who, you know, this day, it doesn't matter. They all do it. Uh, the other thing we were talking about, too, is uh, the most sensational uh, injuries you've ever sustained. As it turns out, uh, Nick got whacked across the head with a ping pong paddle sitting there as a as a spectator, I might add. Uh, I tore my ACL in a, in a, in a family-friendly game of touch football. And Lee, who didn't remember that he had sustained an injury, remembered right before we came on the air. Yeah, when I moved to Pensacola, I was playing basketball at the Pensacola, uh, one of their gyms out there. And it wasn't a game. It, I don't even remember if there's anybody else out there. And I was just shooting the ball, and I came down wrong and broke my ankle. It's the only time I've ever had a, a oh, broken. You broke your ankle by yourself? Broke my ankle, or my foot actually, broke a foot, fractured the foot, playing basketball. And I don't think there was anybody out there. There may have been one other person, and I don't, it wasn't a competitive situation. So you got so situation. high on the jump shot that when you came down, it yes, was, the that stress was it. of the yeah. impact on the foot yeah. was just too much. And after I dunked the ball, and I came down and landed wrong, and before you know it, I was in the hospital. And it's the only time I've ever been on crutches or had a, a broken foot, or any broken bone for that matter. One time I was uh, playing in a rec league, and I was taking a charge. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. that guy. I take a charge in the rec league. And the dude, like, lost his balance as he tried to go around me and couldn't. So he just fell face first, torpedoed me right in the nuts. Face first? Yeah. <laughs> You've had some unusual injuries, I'd have and to I, say. And I got the call, though. You got the call. It's not all you got. How long did it take you to recover? <laughs> Um, you did, know. Did you wear a, a cup? It was like a possession. Hop back up. Did you wear a cup? Wince a little bit. Nah, no cup. You're tough. Just. I'm thinking the other guy probably got the wrong end of that deal, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, he he was out the rest of the season. Shamed, maybe more than anything. <laughs> All right. That's what happens when you fool around with. Next body hey now, parts. pause. My feet were set. I was planted firmly in the ground. What are we talking about? I'm, I'm not even sure anymore. All right, Mike Rodax can join us. He'll join us next. I think they're done playing baseball, Alabama. I'm not sure. They might still be playing. No, they took care of business. They're going to Super Regional. We'll tell you, tell you all about it next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. squeezes it and Alabama for the first time since 2016 is headed to a super regional they'll meet the number one overall seed Wake Forest next weekend in Winston-Salem 832 that's the voice 
of the Crimson Tide, Chris Stewart, wasn't it? I think that was the TV version. Or was that TV? Or ESPN Plus? <laughs> or one Since of them. It wasn't. Anyway, it happened It happened earlier this morning. Let's just say that. Uh, welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee right here on the Sports Station. All right, let's bring in uh, Mike Rodak, uh, AL.com. Mike, good morning. How are you today? No, I'm wrong. Yes. I'm I'm doing well. Good morning to you guys, too. Mike Rodak's got a new gig, boys I and girls. I so, but I, I wasn't sure. Mike, what do you, what's the new gig? Yeah, oh yeah. I've started with uh, Bama247.com, which is a part of 24-7 sports, which I'm sure you guys have you know, known for a while. And, um, you know, CBS Sports is, is, is owning them as well. So it's, it's all part of the CBS Sports family, if you will. And, um, you know, definitely was a great opportunity, something that was hard for me to turn down. And, um, you know, we've basically started a new website, you know, with um, the former Bama Online went to On3. And so it's, it's me and, and John Talty coming over from AL.com and Cody Goodwin coming down from Iowa uh, to help cover, help cover Alabama with us and, and Brett Greenberg who's been down there in Mobile is going to cover recruiting. So um, we have a, a great team, and uh, we just started on, on June 1st, uh, last Thursday. Well, I look forward to the first opportunity to aggregate you, sir. <laughs> no problem at all. I appreciate it. <laughs> at least he's on top of it, right, Mike? <laughs> so what time, assuming you were at the game last night or early this morning, what time did you get in? I was actually not at the game last night. I covered Saturday night's game, and I think I walked in at 1.30 uh, after Saturday night's game. That one started on time at 8 o'clock. It still went 3.40, I think, 3 hours, 40 minutes on Saturday. Um, this one, I think they got out at 1, just before 1 o'clock uh, for people that were there. Um, and that's, I mean, people on East Coast time, like Boston College, you're talking East Coast time, that was 2 o'clock. So, I, I mean, I know there's a weather delay involved, but even then, like I think an eight o'clock, you know, nine Eastern first pitch on a Sunday night, it doesn't make sense to me, especially when you're not dealing with TV slots. I mean, this game was only streaming. Um, so it just, you know, why play baseball in the middle of the night? And it seemed like, you know, I didn't stay up to watch, you know, anything more than the first inning or so, but. You know, Boston College, I think, gave up four runs in the first inning. They had already played a game in the afternoon. I mean, they, they played a game at 2, and then they're still playing baseball 12 hours later. So I think just physically, mentally, to ask people to do that and, and win a game is just – it's that's difficult. Uh, Mike Rodak, 24-7, uh, joining us, covering Alabama. So we know yesterday there's really not much to talk about. It was 8 nothing. I mean, compared to the first game, 4-3. And then take me through that ninth inning. Alabama, as I understand it, was down to their last out and trailing by how many? They are trailing by one. Uh, so it was 8-7. to seven. Troy was leading. That was after there was six lead changes before that. Because uh, Alabama had gone up, they went behind, they got up, they went behind, and they're finally sitting there in the ninth inning. They have two runners on, two outs, second and third base, and it was a ground ball to the shortstop, very routine, and I'm about ready to hit publish on my story that they've lost the game, and, and the ball just sailed wide of the first baseman. Both of those runs scored. So at that point, they were up by one, and they ended up scoring two more runs in, in the ninth and, and won uh, 11 eight. So, I mean, that that one throw, I mean, it was luck. I mean, it wasn't anything they did necessarily. Um, that 
might have changed the outcome of, of things here. I mean, because otherwise they would have had to play two games yesterday, like Boston College did, and then they would have had to play a game today if, if they had won both of those. So that's a much bigger ask than just trying to win one game last night. And um, that that's how baseball goes sometimes. I mean, and they're entertaining games. It's just a they're long. B you know, people can't really watch them, and they're at weird hours sometimes, and that's, I think, a detriment to, you know, the baseball tournament overall. And, you know, obviously it doesn't get nearly as much attention as, you know, baseball or uh, football or, or basketball or even, you know, softball, I think, to some extent gets that's better attention than the baseball tournament does. Was was there much of an attendance on Saturday night uh, as that game was winding down? Did people stick around? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a sellout. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the fans were full necessarily by the end, you know, by midnight. Um, I don't know what the crowd was like last night because I wasn't there. But, yeah, I think the in-person attendance is good. But I think, you know, again, the overall people sitting down on their couch watching a game on TV, it, it wasn't <laughs> it's tough to do when the game's at 11, you know, 12, 1 a.m. On, on a Sunday night. Indeed. So now – as the 16 seed, they advance. I, I think it. I, the announcer there said since 2016. I thought it was back in 2010, was the last time they went to a, a regional. At least that's the way I read it. So now they get Wake Forest, the overall number one seed. When uh, and that would start on Friday. Uh, yeah, either Friday or Saturday. Uh, I'd have to double check see if they've released the schedule on that yet. There's there's two um, possibilities. Um, but yeah, I think they they might have flipped the. The stat there. Boston College has not been to Super Regional since 2016. Alabama, it's been since 2010. Um, I think it was Clemson uh, that they they went and played. And well, yeah, I mean it's going to be tough. It's Wake Forest's number one overall seed in the tournament. They just absolutely tore through their regional. I think they beat Maryland 21 to six or something like that. Um, they have a pitcher who's you know top 10 draft pick and throws 98 miles an hour with movement. I mean there's. It's going to be an uphill battle. They're playing on the road, obviously, at you know uh, Wake Forest, and you know if they make it to the College World Series, that would be, I think, a, a huge accomplishment. You know, a for this team and everything that they've you know had to kind of deal with the past month, but just b to go and win a series at the best team in the country, I think, is uh, would be a pretty big accomplishment in and of itself. Mike, without going through the whole resume of this academic year in Alabama sports, uh, which we've certainly talked a lot about but then if anything you probably would have given more to the softball team and the fact that they went out and Montana Fouts and here's this baseball team with a fired coach having won 13 out of 17 what do you make of all this yeah I mean there's there's been some different scenarios I think you know the softball team I think kind of reached their ceiling that was a team that you know really <laughs> pulled out some games, pulled out some moments when they needed to, um, and got to the College World Series when, you know, they they probably weren't quite that caliber of team this year. And they, I, I would say they were a couple years ago, but this was not, you know, that team was not quite there, especially when Montana was injured. Um, so, you know, they, they reached their ceiling. I don't think that was a team that was going to win at all. Um, they, they can't hit, and they, they need to get better at hitting. And, um, you know, they, they went out and got a pitcher out of the transfer portal yesterday um, from Central Arkansas who, who could very well replace Montana Fouts as their ace. Like, we'll have to see how she does. You know, can she replace Montana Fouts' dominance? But, 
Uh, that program's, I think, you know, still in a good spot. And obviously baseball, they'll have to figure out what they're doing, you know, with their coach coming out of this. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes you have teams that overachieve that aren't quite as good. I think softball is probably in that category. I think you have teams that underachieve. You know, football is probably in that category based on last season when you had Bryce Young and Will Anderson and lost two games and missed the playoffs. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. Obviously, you know, basketball, I'd say underachieved as well, you know, to lose in the Sweet 16 as, as the number one overall seed. So, um, you know, sometimes teams just get hot at the right time. Sometimes they, they aren't. And, and that's kind of happened both ways for Alabama this year. Uh, recruiting some more news. Alabama picked up a couple over the weekend. Any any uh, information about either of the two offensive linemen and a running back? Yeah, you know, the running backs, the, the top, you know, in terms of 24-7's rankings, the, the top one in, in the country for 2025. Um, obviously, a lot could change between now and, you know, the time that he actually enrolls because he's just a junior. Uh, going into his junior year, so there's there's still two years left on him. Um, and the offensive lineman is, is part of next year's class, um, a little bit you know lower rated. He's not a, a five star kid, but he's um, you know adding to that class, which is I think up to eight or nine commits now. And I'm sure you know by the time we get to December and early signing day, that will be up in the in the mid twenties. Um, and there's no limit anymore either. So um, yeah, and the, the recruiting is coming together. You know, it always sometimes start slow and then you know this time in the summer it starts to pick up and usually they get a few big names towards the end and then you know they're already getting some guys for for 2025 as well and that that running back i believe started at pike road um and then is down at uh img academy now mike uh before we let you go obviously a lot of talk about nick saban over the last couple of days uh I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but basically doing a 180 on this eight-game versus nine-game thing. Uh, is is the criticism of Saban in that regard fair? Yeah, you know, I, I've always said when, when he came out with that um, SI interview back in March where he's, you know, he was essentially complaining about the schedule. I think right. that's, that's a fair characterization about having to play LSU, Auburn, in Tennessee as part of, you know, the, the nine-game format. Um, the proposed nine-game format, yeah, I, I think he was complaining a little bit. I think, you know, especially considering he said all along that playing more conference games, playing better competition um, is always something that he wanted to do and for the fans, and they want to watch good games. And I think fans would much rather watch an Alabama-LSU game than they would an Alabama-Mississippi State game. Um, and I think it's impossible to try to make a, a, a model that – unless you change it every single year to adjust for how teams are, it's impossible to make a model that makes everything equal, that you're playing three teams permanently that are, you know, the, the group of those teams are the same as everybody else. Like, it's going to change. I mean, Auburn's gotten worse. Tennessee's gotten better. Arkansas has gotten better. Florida's gotten worse. Teams go up and down, and there's just no way to completely even it out. And, again, I think – in a couple of years, we're still going to be talking about the SEC playing a nine-game schedule. I think, um, you know, the eight-game temporary solution for 2024 is just them tabling it. And it, it seems like Greg Sankey wants nine games. It seems like that's eventually where it's going to go. Even Saban said that a couple of days ago um, that, you know, eventually it's probably going to get there. But, you know, it's – and the other thing, too, is like at a certain point, Nick Saban's talking about things that aren't going to affect him as a coach. When you're talking about schedules in 2027, 20, 28, 29, I mean, is he going to be the coach at Alabama then? Like, it, it, 
may very well not be the case. So, um, you know, his opinion matters, but at the same time, it's he may not be part of the coaches that are actually playing those games or coaching those games. Mike, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Tell everybody again how they can follow your coverage of Alabama football and every everything else Alabama-related for that matter. Yeah, we're uh, Bama247.com and on Twitter at Mike Rodak. Hey, man, thank you for the time. Best of luck. We'll be in touch, sir. You got it. Thank you. All right, one final segment of the day. We'll come back with your uh, with your comments, your questions, your criticisms, whatever. 694-1055, one final segment. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. One final segment of the day. Uh, Mark, um, Triple G in the house. Lee took off a, a second earlier, so we'll open a call. Uh, phone lines up for you. 694-1055 is the number. Been uh, asking you guys about the the worst. How do, I don't even know how we phrase it. Like the weirdest, most embarrassing injuries, sports, yeah. fails. Apparently, Lee broke his own ankles playing basketball against nobody. You took a, a ping pong paddle to the face and had a huge bruise to, to show for it. Um, yep. I tore my ACL in a family-friendly uh, touch football game. Made the catch. I want to I wanna, wanna make, make sure I, I add that part. Uh, you've been accused of having a lot of injuries as it, as it pertains to one part of your, your body. Yeah, I got head-butted when taking a charge. That wasn't really anything painful. It just was kind of... I mean, it was, but nothing, you know... How do you get, get head-butted on a charge? I'm assuming you were standing there. It's not like you jumped. Yeah, I stood still, and he was, like, running down the court, lost his handle, couldn't move, and just fell face-first into... Oh, me. he face-planted into your crotch. Yeah. Okay. And then one time I was riding a stationary bike, and I had a testicular torsion... And so I don't ride bikes anymore. I can't do a, no banana seats for me. So when it, when they say it's like riding a bike, you you tend to <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, you, you mean the most like, painful ah! thing I can yeah. imagine?" Yeah, you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got some other stuff in here. Um um someone so John said he tore his rotator cuff while jogging. I need details on this. This seems highly improbable. I'm not calling John a liar. I, I think it happened. It just the percentage. I mean, the, the chance really of that hitting those arms. Seriously, um, I mean, wouldn't you have a better? Wouldn't you have a better chance of tearing a rotator cuff if you're speed walking than you are jogging? Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on your uh, your stance and your form. Yeah. Uh, so we need to hear from John. John, you need to give us a call and tell us exactly what happened there because that seems unusual to say the least. Um, I know Steven Root, he has this issue where his shoulder pops out of socket all the time. And he'll just be yawning and stretching, you know. And then, like, his shoulder will just pop out and be hanging. And he'll have to put it back in. Oh, it's like a lethal weapon. Yeah, he has to do it. He says it has. It happens, like, uh, you know, like once a week. Bro. Does he have to literally slam it back in place? Yeah. Or? Oh, that sounds awful. All right. So, John gave us some updates on how he did this. 
I made the poor decision to sprint across a four-way intersection in the process of slowing down to a jog. I saw what I thought was a snake. Somehow I ended up airborne with my feet over my head. <laughs> Luckily, my shoulder broke my fall. When I got up, my arm was sticking out like Drew Brees was when he got hurt playing for San Diego. I managed to pop it back in place with the back of a chair. Wow. Dang. Dude is scared of snakes. That's what you got from that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what, John, what made you – I wonder where this four-way intersection was that you're running across a four-way intersection, and all things you thought you saw, you saw a snake. I mean, I guess it's possible. Well, I'm glad to know that you're doing okay now, with the exception of that snake phobia. Yeah, and did he think he saw a snake, or did he see a snake? Because if there was a snake, it's like, okay, I get it, but if there wasn't a snake at all – and that's embarrassing. Do you have, what are your do you have phobia? Is, is are snakes a thing for you? I'm not like deathly afraid of anything. Like I'll freak out too hard, but I'm I don't really like horses. I think they're just too big and powerful of an animal just to be seen in everyday life. Potentially, I'm not a horse guy. You know, people ride them at Mardi Gras. Uh, those guys, you know, they train these horses. They love these horses every day. But then, oh, they get to a parade and they they go wild, and they can't control them. So I don't I don't like that. I always like I the viral like syrup. It say say what now? Syrup. Yeah. Or syrup. I say syrup. I say syrup. Okay. So you have a phobia of syrup or syrup? Like if I get syrup like on my fingers or something, I'm done. Like, I'm just, it freaks me out. Really? Like, it's too uh I'm going to be putting sticky. syrup on, like, all the door handles around Yo, here. Yo, if you did that, I swear I would freak <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what other phobias? I know we were talking about injuries, but what kind of you, phobias you have do you guys have? phobias of anything? I'm not a snake guy. It just, yeah. Like, I don't know. But, like, when I say, like, like, if someone came in, like, a snake handler, and was like, hey, look, guys, I got this snake. He's got it, like, wrapped around his shoulders or whatever, like they do. Like, would you be screaming and running away? No, because I think that would be, like, a controlled, like, environment. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the yeah. guy's got it. He's – I mean, I wouldn't be like, oh, awesome, this is great, but I would do it. I Interestingly yeah, I enough – that's a phobia then. I think my – I get – I got skittish because of watching Raiders, and Indiana Jones had a phobia, and him watching him his phobia and being in that pit probably freaked more people out about snakes than before then, right? There are probably more people afraid of snakes because of that movie and that scene yeah, that, than that, people prior to that. And that movie led to my phobia of indigenous tribe members. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say horses. I'm like, okay. No. But see, like if someone came in and had like s their hands dipped in syrup— and was like, hey, come give me a high five, I swear I'd be, like, running out the door. All right, so your phobia is syrup. Yeah. Okay. And what, what did you have a, a, some type of episode or incident as a, as a young child? I think I've had a couple. Um, I think one time a kid accidentally knocked over his syrup uh, at the lunch table. Whenever it is we syrup, having, like, right? French toast how many sticks. of y'all refer to it as syrup, and how much? How many of y'all are? Is it syrup? And then one time, I was dating this girl in ninth grade. Oh boy! 
and we're getting a ride home from our friend's mom, and we're in the back, back, back seat of the meeting. Yeah, you go, Triple G. And we just left Waffle House, and she uh. was, like, really trying to, like, kiss up on me, and dude, just, like, the smell of maple <laughs> syrup. Like, I was just gagging, and, like, the sl- there was, like, remnants of the stickiness, like, around the rim of her lips. Whoa! It was h- horrible. Pause. Syrup. <laughs> so I don't. I just like so, don't mess with maple syrup. So maple syrup, not an aphrodisiac. Just not. No. The no. Compl- the it's the anti. Opposite. All right. Good to know. It's a shame Lee's not here to. Hear <laughs> oh, I'm sure he's listening. Uh, he's listening. I'm sure Lee, you're shaking your head. Now you're smiling because we're talking about you. I know. Uh, in the app, uh, Ken, arachnophobia with all his spiders. All right. Somebody want to know, did Bama win this weekend in baseball? Yes. Uh, indeed, they did. Um, so you're not, like, deathly afraid of anything? Uh, not that comes to mind. I'm sure I am. I mean, who isn't? You got to be, you got to be afraid of something. Right. Um. I'm trying to think. Like, what about like a cockroach? That's like a popular one. No, I'm always the one like having to remove yeah, you a cockroach. Take care of the cockroach. Yeah, right? that's just that's just. I'm just that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. Sure. <laughs> what about like? Um, I can't really think. Like, you can't say like a. Like you can't say like an alligator or something, can you? Because I, I think everyone is scared of alligators. Right. To a degree. Right, but I think we're all more, um, what about, like, mayonnaise? My girlfriend, she's got a phobia to mayonnaise. Like, if she sees mayonnaise, she'll start, like, uh, Is there a term for that? And freaking out. And then I was, I was actually watching a YouTube video, and an ad popped up, and it said, warning, warning, this ad contains mayonnaise. And then it was an ad for Kraft mayonnaise, and them, like, dipping into it, and but it was weird that they had the warning before it because it was like they knew that people would freak out. Did she freak out? I was watching that uh, by myself. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm bringing in maple syrup. And I'm just going to throw that shit stuff everywhere. <laughs> All right, dude, getting comfy. Lee leaves, Mark's getting comfy. Okay, okay. And on that note, <laughs> Lee will be back tomorrow. Not sure if I will be. Now, uh, we appreciate everybody joining us today. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya!